0: Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. What's to do good and to bring healing to all those who are oppressed of the devil? And how many know the devil is out oppressing lots? And he's trying to subdue, and he's trying to hold everyone down, and try to keep everyone from their full potential of who God has called them to be. He's telling them lies, he's doing all kinds of, he's oppressing, he's bombarding, he's just trying to hold down. And what are we anointed to do? We are anointed to do good and to go and heal. I wanna break these words down, healing. First of all, anointed is this. So he was anointed, first of all, he was anointed by God. What does that mean? We hear these words and we're like, it's a Christian lingo word. What does anointed mean? It means consecrated or set apart and dedicated to God. So completely just set apart. In other words, that you don't really belong to this world anymore. When we became a Christian, I'm no longer Canadian. I was American, I became un-American, and then I became Canadian. I became Canadian first, then I became un-American. And uh, I literally renounced my citizenship. I'm not gonna get into that whole process because it makes me mad why I had to do it, but anyway. um, So, uh, but it doesn't matter because my citizenship is in heaven. We are now God's property and we are missionaries to this earth. This is not our home. We are just passing through, folks. And Jesus knew this and he was anointed, he was set apart He was dedicated and consecrated to God. That's how he lived his life. And then it says here, and with the Holy Spirit and with the power of the Holy Spirit, he went about doing good. What is doing good? This is what it means in that context. To act virtuously, especially by helping others. Making a helpful contribution to something. In other words, he was continually going around and to what's virtuously, it's it's living morally high with with a high moral standard, like living higher than everything else that is around. Not saying you're better than everyone else. Living with a higher conduct, a, a better conduct in terms of in goodness. The Bible says Jesus didn't go and, and didn't come here to, to be served. He came to be to serve and to give his life. So he, he wasn't looking for someone to give him something. He wasn't demanding anything. He was giving out. He was pouring out. That was the virtue, and that was living virtuous in, in the way that he lived. And, and he was continually making helpful contributions everywhere he went. We look in the scriptures, that's all he did. Everywhere he went, he left a mark. Everywhere he went, he did the four things that, that God spoke to me coming into the new year and, and Jerry reminded us at, at Small Group and it, it's a good thing to remember. You see it in the weekly but how many know you see things over and over again and you just kind of pass them over? Um, and it's been there but it's, it's new thoughts, new dreams, new, new ways, and a new season. And everywhere Jesus went, he did this continually. We, we see it with the man who came with leprosy we're not gonna read it from uh, Matthew 8. I was gonna have it pulled up and we we're gonna read through it, but I'm just gonna tell you it. You can look for it later. Just gonna to have to take my word for it, study the scriptures after. But um, first of all, he encountered a man with leprosy and the man actually came to him and he said, and he was afraid and it was a multitude that was around him, they were receiving healing. And he said, if you are willing, make me clean. And it says, this interesting. It says that he reached out and he touched him. And he didn't heal him yet. He touched him as a leper. Now, in Israel, in that time, you were not to touch lepers. So Jesus, the good thing, the higher, more moral and virtuous thing to do was to show this leper you are loved by God for who you are. This is not who you are, but he even loves you as a leper. I'm going to touch you and then he said, "I am willing. Be clean." And he was instantly healed. Jesus, he was continually breaking every boundary. He was he was he was going about doing what was good in every situation. He the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And they dragged her out and humiliated her to make a point. And they were all with their stones, all these self-righteous people, and it's easy for us to get that way. We can always compare and think we're better than everyone else. And we think, oh, that person, you know, we're, we're getting mad at them about that. But we've got another area in our, in our life where we're falling. Just because it's not on that area that we're struggling with. And they're all up there with their stones and Jesus walks into that situation. See, we seem to think it's, it's just healing. But healing is in many forms. Healing many times is getting a new mindset. Because then it creates a new dream, a new picture. Then you begin to to see things in a new way and it creates a new, new path. And so, how many know that leper had a new, what was that the last point? New thoughts, new dreams, new ways, new season. Yes, how many know he had a clean season? He was walking with people that were clean. That was his new season. Then the women caught in the act of adultery. They're all th- ready to throw their stones, and they're just ready. And he's like, one sentence: "The person that is here without sin, throw the first stone." I love how Jesus always asks questions. He was a master. He didn't always. He didn't. So many times he didn't tell. He'd ask a question, and he, and because you know what? You'll believe your own answer. We believe our own answer, and so they're ready to stone, stoner one by one. The Bible says they threw the stones down until no one was left. And he said, "Where are they?" And she says, "They're gone." And he says. Neither do I condemn you. She was under a spirit of condemnation. She probably had been violated. She was probably her worst enemy. And she lived under that. And Jesus saw it. That was doing good. He saw who she was. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin. How many know she got a new thought that day? She got a new dream and a new picture, which she was treated in a new way. A man actually respected her and honored her for who she was. And how many think she got a new season in her life? And over and over and over again, we can see this. Over and over, Jesus, everywhere he went, everywhere, He encountered. He did this. He went about doing good and healing. You know what that word healing means? It's the process of making or becoming sound, healthy, and whole. That's what healing is. And everywhere he went, he was making things. He was coming with sound judgment. He was coming and making it sound and bringing health and wholeness in every situation. How many think there's a few things you could do that too? Well, guess what? Next step. G- Jesus told us in John 14, 12. Let's go there. <clears throat> Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He's not lying this time. Okay? He's saying, I'm telling you the truth. Let's talk about it's the truth. <laughs> No, you know what that means? He's basically saying, "Look, l- listen guys, this is really important." That's what that I tell you the truth. Anyone. Look at your neighbors. Are you in anyone? Anyone who believes in Jesus, okay? How many here are you saying I believe in Jesus? Okay. So then this is to you. Anyone who believes in me will do what? the same works I have done and even greater works. Why? Because there was one thing that Jesus couldn't do. He could not do the work of the Holy Spirit in a person. The Holy Spirit could only dwell upon them until Jesus came and cleansed us from our sin. The Holy Spirit could not dwell in us. We could not be the temple of the Holy Spirit. He could not do that work on the inside. He could not be our helper that abides with us forever. So there is a work, and there are greater works that we can do because we've got the Holy Spirit working with us inside of us and inside of others. Amen? And he also was seeing that there's a multiplication factor. There was one Jesus. Now we have Jesus in all of us that know him. Amen? And we're doing, he says here, you're going to do the same things I do, and you're going to do even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So it's Jesus' expectation that we are doing what he was doing. We are anointed to do good. You are anointed to do good. Oh, it's like, no, I'm not anointed. To complain, I'm not anointed to sit back and criticize everything. I'm not anointed to do all kinds of negative things. I'm anointed to do good. And see, a lot of times, what we focus on, we focus on things that um, sins of commission, and and they are like, you know, getting drunk getting high, swearing, you know, gossiping. We've got things that you can know that you've committed. But we forget about sins of omission, the things that are good that we should do and we don't do. That is also sin. And we live in a culture that we can waste a lot of time with with social media, with all of the distractions, we can be doing a lot, but we're not doing good. It is keeping us from doing the things that are important to do, such as pray. And I gotta always touch this one because it's the lowest attended meeting in churches still. Why? Why? Because, doing good? The Bible says that Jesus said, my house will be called what? A house that has really good worship and men, smoke machines and and really good preaching. No, it's a house of prayer. It's a house where when people come in and when, when they're meeting, these people are touching God. They are actually connected to god and they're praying we make prayer like this you know and it's like you know and it it can become this religious thing no prayer is us talking to god god talking back us connected to god and connected back where there is that working together and people see it they see it and anointed by god i am anointed to pray And when I pray, the Bible says, God is with me. And when I pray, God is there to to make things sound and healthy and whole. Amen? How many want a little bit of that? What's your temptation when things go wrong? What's your temptation when things get busy? You don't want to pray. Come on. Let's get honest. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) She's the newbie. (laughs) They're always honest. What? But Jesus continually went about doing good. He went about finding those things, making them sound, healthy, and whole again. He went into a demonized region. And, and the guy was totally demonized. For people were completely afraid of him. He was in chains and everything. And goes and completely sets that guy free. The, the town's even so petrified because he cast all these thousands of demons into these pigs and they go running into the, the lake. And, and they're like, just, just leave, just leave, just leave. But see what Jesus was doing. He was, things were really wrong in that town. It was a little bit upside down, and Jesus had to turn things right side up, but people were still messed up because they didn't want him around. See, sometimes you're doing good, it's gonna stir things up. It's gonna rustle some feathers. It's going to get some things that are saying, no, it's just comfortable. No, we're, we're comfortable with living in the devil in our back pocket. We got him chained up. He's okay in his little cave. Come on. But Jesus wants to come in and make everything sound and healthy and whole. But not everyone wants that. And living and doing good every day is something we can do. Every one of us can do it. You know what it says here? This is another scripture in 1 John 2. Because it's not an option. We sometimes think, we think things are optional, and we think, ah, uh, today's just a coast day. And you know, I'm gonna just kind of coast. I'm gonna do my Netflix, you know, 24 series, and watch eight of them, and binge, and I'm just gonna, you know, because I deserve it. And we, we just can let time go. But there's one thing we don't get back. It's time. We don't get it back. Once we've used it, whatever we have poured our life out for or not poured our life out for, we don't get it back. We don't get it back. And it says here in 1 John 2, 5 to 6, says, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And, and that is how we know we are living in him. Those who say that they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's a pretty high standard, guys. In other words, if we say we're Bible-believing, then we've got to be like Jesus, anointed, doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Everywhere we're going, bringing soundness, healing, and wholeness in every situation. That's what we're called to do. Amen? So I want to have a a pressure put on you. Like I had this pressure on me because, and I'm not saying I'm doing this perfectly. I'm not. Every one of us, we have areas where we've got to continually grow and God's stretching us. But when you have a call of God in your life, there's an automatic pressure. It's like, okay, God, you've made, you're telling me I have to do this. Right? I don't have another job or something else to throw myself into and kind of ignore. It's like, that is my job. <laughs> right? Instant pressure. <clears throat> so, well, that's why you have to pray. It's your job. It's all of our jobs because we're following Jesus. Now, how we pray, you can pray while you're working. You can pray while you're. I mean, you know, you can do these things, right? You can always find time for what you put first. We can. And we do. So, Jesus is saying look, if you truly are following me, you've got to walk like I walked. That's the proof. You literally have to walk the way that I walked. And so Jesus is our standard. We don't need to compare ourselves to anyone else. And we shouldn't. Because the Bible says we're fools when we do that. We compare ourselves with Jesus. And in Galatians 6, this is what it says. And I want us to look at our life this way and evaluate things from this perspective. Because we, our life is always giving in one way or another. Whether it's good or it's bad. We are emptying ourselves. Because it says in Galatians 6, and I don't like it in this translation. I like it in, I think, NIV. It says, do not be, be deceived. God cannot be mocked. But this one says, don't be misled, you cannot mock the justice of God. So in other words, we can be deceived and we can realize that, or not know that the justice of God is working in every situation. We sometimes think he overlooks certain things, but he's not. It says you will always harvest what you plant. And see, this is why Jesus went about doing good. He was mindful of what he was planting. He was totally aware of the justice of God in his life. And he continually, not like us, because we forget, and then we we skimp on things. Some of us grew up learning things that were not good in our family, learning things generationally, and we're like, we, we did things out of ignorance until God brought us that truth, So, but we still sowed that. And the Bible says, you will always harvest what you plant. And then it, it says here, but those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. And so, the sinful nature is the path of least resistance. How many know the flesh loves to just be pampered? Okay, it loves to stay in bed longer and not pray. Right? The path of least resistance is what our flesh likes to do Our flesh likes to take the easy road, a lot of times. And it's easy to live that way if we're not governed by something greater than ourselves, which is Jesus, which is the life he's called us to, which is the anointing that he wants to give us. And the Holy Spirit and his power is ready ready to work. It's ready to work. It's ready to work. And, and when that unction comes to get up early and your flesh is screaming, uh, the spirit of God is like, no, I want to speak to you. I've got something for you. Because the, the, the sinful nature will bring decay and death from that sinful nature. And how many know when you follow your flesh enough and you follow it through, it's at the end of that road, right? It's lifeless. You know, when you do things for God, and when you press through, and sometimes there's, there's, it's hard sometimes. I'm gonna pick on prayer, because a lot of times, you don't wanna go to prayer. There's lots of times, and I'm leading all kinds of prayer things, and sometimes I don't wanna be at them. But, because I called it, I gotta be there. Now, just so you know, I'm not getting paid to pray. No, as a church, yeah, I am. There's a portion of, of, it, of that. But there is also, we, we broke down <coughs> our work week. And I, prayer and small group, different things, are not things I'm, I'm if I'm asking others to do it, I'm, I'm not getting paid for that as well. That's not part of my paid time. I'm doing it because I'm a believer and I need to pray. And I'm a pastor and I really need to (laughs) pray. But Jesus was continually doing what was good in that situation. As hard as it was, he said, This is what's good. This is the virtue that is going to call everyone to a higher standard. This is what is morally right in this situation. And that's why he called the religious people brood of vipers. And he says, you're a bunch of snakes. And you're making these guys twice as much a son of hell as you are. He was doing good. Why? He was waking them up. Because they were lied to. And they were believing those lies. And he had to wake them up. Now whether they listened or not, it didn't matter. But he was waking them up. That was good. And there's times that God calls us, how many, know he calls you to speak the truth in love in situations with people. It's hard. No one likes it, right? It's, it's painful. We, 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 we'd rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. I want everyone to like me. And everyone want to just do. It, I don't want to rustle any feathers. We want to ruin people with praise rather than save them by criticism. And and God calls us to bring correction in love, but we've got to be that wake up call sometimes. And Jesus was not afraid to do that. He was ready to do good. He was anointed to do good. And so what I want to challenge you with is there's a lot of things, because our flesh, if you can pull that scripture up again, I, we want to just read into it, because our flesh, although it's easy and it's the path, um, no we'll go back to the previous one. Um, the, it's the path of least, least resistance. It leads to not good. It leads to decay, death, and the sinful nature. But it says, but those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And how many have done some things and they're hard, and they're hard for God, like initially when you do them, but when you've done them, it's life-giving. It's like, I'm glad I did this after you start doing it. And it it can be a hard thing where you're pouring into someone, where you're sacrificing for someone, because God told you to do it. And life comes out of you. And life comes into that situation. And there's sacrifice. And maybe there's different things that you do in it. But it's life-giving. And there's a lot of things that I believe are coming in the days ahead where our faith is going to be more costly It's going to cost us more. And the path of least resistance is not the path we are going to be able to take if we are calling ourselves a believer. There are lines that are being drawn. They're being drawn. COVID started drawing it in the church, but they're being drawn more. And we got to choose am I going to choose life and I'm going to choose to do good no matter what it's going to cost me because it can be costly and, and I believe that it will be the pushback has started and it's our pushback is against the enemy but how many know he likes to fight we win but how many know you get a few battle scars along the way You get, well, sometimes it's okay. (laughs) But it says here, so life comes from the spirit when we continue to do what is good. So I want to ask you to do one thing. And I'm challenging myself with it. And it's a challenge. God every day, God, what is what is the good thing you want me to do and every situation that's in front of me? What's the good thing that I need to do? And help me to be willing to do the good thing. Because some things we're looking at in front of us, we're not willing to do the good thing. If we're honest. It's too hard. It's too challenging. It's if we're honest. Some things, when it's our preference, we like to. But guess what? God calls us to things that we don't necessarily want to do. And we have to do them. You know, prayer was at the bottom of my list of things. I'm a, a, a task person. So tasks, I, I love doing. Give me something to do and I can get it and call. Prayer is like this You don't know what's happening. You're hoping for the best. And you're praying and you're just, okay, it takes faith. It takes all. Task people, it's not the greatest thing. And God's like, in this city, I want you to lead prayer. And be the voice and hearken for prayer. So I had to learn it. And have to try to like it. Because at the beginning, I didn't like it. Not like I needed to. What? You're a pastor and you didn't like praying? It was, it was not easy. And if, and half the time, you're wondering, is anything happening? Am I doing the right thing? Sometimes, how many know you pray and you pray over things and you're like, it's sometimes years. And you're like, do I want to keep praying? But we're anointed to do it. We're anointed to do good. And we do not realize the grant that we're gaining for God when we do it. And so it says here, so then it's, it, it exhorts us, so let's not get tired of doing What? What is good? Let's not get tired of it. In other words, doing good is hard work. Couch potatoes don't like it. And this is why we continue to do what is good. Because at just the right time, just The right time. God holds time and God does everything well. At just the right time, we will what? Reap. A harvest of blessing. If if what? Condition. If we don't check out and go binge and crazy and throw it all away and escape somewhere. Because we, we can do that. We can just go off and escape. But guess what? The Spirit of God is going to bring you around again to the point where, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up this time. And we reap that harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Amen? So I'm anointed to do good. We are all called. And God, Jerry exhorted us in worship. God has promises that he's given you. He has a plan in your life that fits into the bigger plan of everything. And that part is vital in each one of us. That promise is hinged on a bigger picture. And each one of us doing that part. Because we always look at it as... My individual promise. Your individual promise is connected to several other promises all around you. And actually, your promise probably won't get fulfilled if that promise and that promise and that promise doesn't get fulfilled too. How many of you here right now are connected to nothing happened by you just individually? The majority, there was always something else and others connected to it. God does it that way. God made it that way. And so doing good, God is always giving us something every day. And so I'm asking myself and I'm asking you to ask yourself every day, God, with what is in front of me? Because, see, we're always looking for someday I'll do this when I'm here and when I'm at this point in my life and when I'm doing this. And, when, and we don't realize the miracle is in our house. It's in what right in front of you and what you can do right in front of you. Your miracle is in the house. The woman that was going to die, her kids were, um, no, not that one. The woman that, yeah, she, her sons were sold, and she was on her last bit of food. Am I messing this up? I'm blending stories. This happens. I'll I'll use the the widow with the sons where they came to collect her, her husband's death. He died. So they came and collected her sons. And so she was like, what do I do? What do I do? And the prophet said, what do you have? See, God doesn't look at us and say what we don't have. He's not looking at you and saying, you should, you this is lacking in your life, that's lacking, and this isn't, and this isn't there, and that isn't there. He looks at you and me, and he knows the miracle is in our house. It's with what you have, and he will use what you have. So for her, it was a little jar of oil and a little bit of, it was just a jar of oil. That's right. That's I'm planting. So he says, so what did he tell her to do? He says, go find all these jars. That's, that was her, her task. Go find empty jars. See, so you will give us something, again, to do. He's not going to let us have a pity party, go in our corner, and do nothing. Because we don't har- harvest a blessing if we give up. She could have gave up and said, I don't believe you. And I'm not going to go get the jars. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to feel sorry for myself. My sons are gone. Boo hoo hoo. But thank God she listened to the voice of God through the prophet. And she went and got those jars. God gives you what you can do. And he took the oil that was in her jar that she had. And he began to pour it. And it kept pouring and pouring. And it filled all the jars she collected. Then she sold them and paid off her debt and got her sons back. But the miracle was in her house because she could do something good. She could do something good. And what did he do? He brought wholeness and life back into that situation. So let's stand. Because I believe that there's a lot. If I can have the worship team up... Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.